Welcome to the Biz Power Hour podcast, where we discuss all things related to your business in sales, marketing, software, and strategy, bringing you the industry-leading experts with uncut and unedited advice, opinions, and actionable takeaways. Sit back and relax. This is the Biz Power Hour, and it begins now. Hello, everybody. This is Daniel Bushes, and this is the first episode of the Business Power Hour. Today, we're going to cover marketing trends that are going to dominate in 2019. And we were very fortunate that we've got some really smart industry-leading experts that are going to be weighing in their options and their opinions on this topic. Uh, I'd first like to introduce Bethany Fagan from PandaDoc. If you could say hi to everybody and introduce yourself and the company that you work with. Yeah, sure. Hi guys, welcome to today's show. Looking forward to having a great convo here. Uh, again, I'm Bethany Fagan. I'm a marketing manager here at PandaDoc. Um, for those who don't know what we do, we are an all-in-one proposal software tool. So we allow you to create, send, track, and e-sign um, all sorts of sales documents from quotes, proposals, contracts. And then our biggest strength is uh, we connect to your CRM. So you can do that right within the uh, sales tools that you use every day. Awesome. Thank you. And then we have Nicole Gelati from Infusionsoft. So if you could take a moment, introduce yourself and the company that you work with. Sure. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Gelati. I'm a senior email marketing manager at Infusionsoft. And Infusionsoft's platform is really designed to help small business owners um, really automate their sales and marketing and business processes. We have an all-in-one tool that can be used as a CRM, also for emailing uh, from broadcast to very triggered campaigns. We have a sales pipeline integration uh, piece of it, and everything from quoting to proposals to payments. So kind of um, everything that, that a small business owner needs to streamline all of their processes and grow more sales. Awesome. Thank you. And we have Justin Lofton, the CEO of Sync Somo, as well as a few other brands too. So Justin, can you introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Justin Lofton, CEO and founder of Sync Sumo. Um, I also have a handful of uh, very successful e-commerce brands and uh, I've been selling online since 1998. So I've kind of touched it all over the years and I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you guys to help you guys understand how to uh, fast forward relationships with your leads, prospects and customers that so you can get more from your business in 2019. Awesome, thank you for being here. And last but certainly not least, Ryan Chapman, CEO of Fix Your Funnel. Hey, uh, Ryan Chapman, obviously just <laughs> a fixture funnel. Um, I've been in the marketing automation world since about 2006, kind of got thrown into that in our company fixture funnel. What we kind of really focus in on is facilitating communication with prospects and customers, making it easier to connect with people in the medium that they use every day. And so a lot of texting and phone calling involved in that, but we do a few different other things. And so I'm excited to be on the show too. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to hopefully help some people recognize some trends that are coming up in 2019 and know what to do with them and uh, kind of learn from what we learned, saw in 2018. Awesome. Lots awesome. of exciting stuff happening. Yeah, well, we, we definitely, I mean, we've got some really smart people with some really broad topics across the board. And that was the focus is, you know, there's a lot of things that are, that are happening. And especially if you're a small business owner or you're a marketing manager or decision maker within an organization, there's a lot of things that have happened in 2018. Obviously with the technology and the advancements and, and digital marketing and other, other tools that can be used to help grow sales and marketing, 
uh, people can kind of start to fall off track or, or get convoluted to figure out what do I have to do next? What is the hot topic? So we certainly aren't going to be able to cover everything to the level of detail that we'd probably like to do. So skimming the surface, what I'd like to do first is, you know, I'll start with Bethany and say, you know, what do you think some of the trends that are going to be, you know, driving forward that you'd like to talk about for 2019, if you're a, a marketer or a business owner that you might want to focus on? Yeah, I think um, a lot of the things that uh, I look forward to, at least continuing to support video content, um, you know, I, I'm still getting a lot of requests from my sales team on how can we kind of take the marketing assets that we have and make them easier to digest. Um, so one way of that is video content, um, figuring out new design purposes. Um, you know, I think we see a lot of people who are kind of jumping on the bandwagon as doing their own personal selfie type videos on LinkedIn. And I, I think that's a really cool trend. It's, it's definitely interesting. It's a way to get some eyeballs, but I think it only makes sense if, if it works and it's a fit for your tone of voice. And, you know, if you're comfortable in front of the camera, go for it. Um, but, you know, I think there's still going to be a way for us to kind of see the evolution of how video changes over, over the next year. Um, I think that's going to be something interesting to watch. Okay, that's really, that's a good uh, topic. So video is one of the things you think is gonna drive in 2019. Nicole, what are the one or two things, or, or if you have more, what are the things that you think are gonna drive in 2019 for marketing trends? Um, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show even started about some of the things that, um, you know, are going to be coming together. I think some of the different channels that will be coming together. Um, so, you know, email will continue to be a significant tool that businesses will be able to use. But then it's kind of taking that next step and in integrating that. You know, we're actually just starting to play around with, with um, linking directly to chat from an email. Um, also, how does SMS play into that? You may start off with an email and have a certain action taken and then you can follow up with an SMS reminder when your, you know, your Facebook live event is going to be starting or things like that. So it's kind of finding how everything will work together as a technology stacks on top of itself. Um, and then secondly, personalization is something that's kind of been on a lot of people's roadmap for years. It's a tough nut to crack, so it will probably stay um, a top priority for a lot of people in the coming year um, and really trying to get very relevant in terms of timing of delivering those messages as well as, you know, taking the behaviors and kind of that persona data that has been gathered over time about a person and making sure that you're providing that relevant content uh, when they need it so that when they're ready to take the next step uh, you're top of mind for for the recipients okay so what i'm hearing is an integration of services to deliver uh, a more streamlined communication it sounds like that's did i get that right for the first yes point? exactly okay. all right and then personalization is another topic you think is going to be a driving force in, in 2019 Right. With so much data available, I think everyone as a consumer um, expects that, you know, you're going to be providing relevant messaging at the time that they need it, not just kind of mass blasting things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And Justin, what do you think some of the trends are going to be for 2019 that people are going to want to focus on? Well, I mean, I think, like I said, with, uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time helping folks understand how to accelerate the relationships that they have with the leads and prospects and their customers so they can get more uh, from that relationship um, and to provide more value in their marketplace through that. And I think that 
you know, sort of tech has been a replacement of that um, relationship building process for a long time. And there's a lot of friction still in these old funnels and email campaigns and a lot of things that just used to work, but they're still trying to make it work for them. They really need to evolve to a place of simplicity and being able to message and communicate with people um, you know, on a more personal level based on where they're at in the customer journey and removing a lot of the things that um, are in the way of that. I mean, uh, the, the simple example is that most folks aren't paying as much attention as they should to the mobile channel. Whereas, you know, when, I, when I'm running ads on Facebook, I mean, 85 to 90% of your traffic is going to come from a mobile device. And that's a different experience, right? You know, on mobile, I could be pumping gas. I could be waiting in line in my groceries. I could be doing, you know, driving a car, right? The distractions are massive in the marketplace now. So you really have to simplify your, your conversation throughout the customer's journey and start removing the friction um, that has been built up from all this tech and, you know, marketing tech and stuff that's been stacked up over the years um, because it's in the way of providing value. Very interesting. And that, that makes a really good point too, because from a mobile experience, the way you consume content is not the same from the way you're sitting at a desktop or a computer, less time, smaller screen size. So makes sense. So your driving force really is mobile first and, and yeah. simplicity in the way you communicate. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of providers too, you know, uh, that, you know, you can't even use their tool set on a mobile device yet. And it's, uh, and, and they're in the marketing tech world, right? Which it says a lot about the gap there and the opportunities for, for providers to, you know, make that happen for their customers. Good point. Good point. Ryan Chapman, your, your business, one of the, the pillars of what you focus on is mobile with text messaging. Yeah. So I'm sure you're going to have a lot of interesting things to weigh in that you think for 2019 should be a focus. Yeah, you know, I really think in 2018, what we saw is a lot of people started to discover um, texting as a channel, but that also has introduced a lot of problems. So what I see in 2019 is um, similar to what Nicole said, there will be this kind of bringing together of medias so they can work more in concert versus isolated channels. Um, there's been a lot of groundwork laid that I've seen in the last couple of years by some very big companies that, tailored towards businesses that most businesses haven't been aware of is going on. Justin's shaking his head because he really knows what I'm talking about in terms of Facebook. Facebook has laid a ton of groundwork and I think a lot of marketing automation platforms aren't aware of how much they've done. And you know, there's gonna be some really interesting things happening. But the overall thing that I see happening in 2019 is that companies that are able to focus more on relationship, similar to what Justin was saying, I think the other two mentioned as well, but those that are able to communicate in an intimate way and focus more on relationship, which goes back to what Nicole was saying about personalization, what Bethany was saying about video, right? But those that are able to create a personal connection, and that means making yourself a little bit more available than you might have before. Because in the past, what happened is we got all these cool tools and we started hiding behind them. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a lot of interaction with machines and that is driving humans to want human interaction. So those companies that can capitalize on human interaction are the ones that are actually gonna win. That doesn't mean you abandon automation, but I see the trend in 2019 being those that can use marketing automation and these you know, software tools to compensate for human nature, which is to forget, delay, postpone, you know, mess up, and then enhance the, the humanity 
of connecting with another person, those are going to be the, the businesses that are going to win in 2019. So there's a lot of different tech options out. There's a lot of exciting, fancy things to get excited about. But if you miss that underwriting point in 2019, I think you're not going to have the year that you could have had. There's a lot of things poised to help you if you can figure out that ability to connect with a human. And if you use the technology right, it facilitates that. If you use it wrong, you actually build up a barrier and people are going to be driven away from those companies. And the fine line between those that will succeed and those that will fail is very thin. And I think that's kind of the exciting and also the scary part of 2019. So let's talk, because everybody's saying some of the same things. And one of them is obviously customization and personalization. So it's really driving a better customer experience and a prospect experience as well. It, 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 does everybody agree with that or? or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've, got, I've got some comments to build on what Ryan said too. Yeah, please. You know, I think it's, it's really, people are starting to realize business owners and, and the marketplace is demanding it. It's like they are demanding a higher uh, customer experience and people are delivering on that. So, that, you know, exponentially the, the expectation for businesses to step up or step out is um, is what we're going to see in 2019, and you know it's. I think there's an element too that has not really lived in the business world uh, in the recent years, the past decade, where you know people expect to see vulnerability, they ex expect to see transparency in a business, and a lot of these tools and technologies in the marketplace now can allow for that. You know, getting on video and and being yourself and saying, hey, we can't do it all. We just you know, we just launched a new, you know, community. We're building a tribe because we need your help to help us bring our value to a marketplace where in the past it was, you know, wasn't a round table. It was a guy at the head of the table telling everybody else what to do. And I think we're seeing yeah. a shift in, in I, humanity, as Ryan said, you know. Like Justin was saying, and, and jump in anybody else, but I, what, I, what I'm seeing is there has been this, this kind of thing that built up with the way that technology was going, where a lot of people started to speak at people. So they speak at the prospect, they speak at the lead, they speak at the customer, but they don't speak with. And so that's the big trend of 2019 is figuring out how do I speak with? And speaking with doesn't mean you can't go one to many. Like to Bethany's point about video and what Justin was just getting at, you can still use mediums that allow you to communicate with many people all at once, but it, it needs to be in a way that is social in the sense that you allow people to, to come in and create those communities around your business. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. I was, at, um, I was looking for a suit the other week. And I went to Macy's. Now, Macy's is a well-known uh, retailer. This Macy's looked like a yard sale. There was clothes all over the place. There was nobody at the checkout stand. And, and people are complaining about retails getting their lunch taken by Amazon because Amazon's able to deliver what people want in a semi-personalized way. But it, this is why 2019 is such a pivotal year. You're either going to have your lunch taken by a big person, you know, big company that can automate and, and do all these things quicker and faster than you, or you must get super personal. Mm -hmm. And it's not an either or in terms of do I use technology or do I get very personal, but you, you either have to be someone that has 300 million in the bank that you can tap in to do some amazing things, or you must be super personal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went to ended up buying a suit from a retailer that was just provided good service. I didn't care how much I was going to spend. You know, I was at a, a very wide range of pricing. I was happy to spend. I ended up going with the person who could actually provide the service because they actually had human interaction. Yeah, yeah so that's a good point. This is retail as well as online. And so if you can understand that, that core concept, that it's about creating that connection and utilizing these fantastic tools that are available to do that in each stage of your, your mm -hmm. business, 
it is yeah. an exciting year. You know, that's an interesting point. And I'm going to direct this question to you, Nicole. Um, you know, I own a marketing agency. And so we work with clients across the, well, literally across the world. And one of the things that we see with not only just small business owners, but actually I get email from, you know, billion dollar companies that seem to be making the same mistakes. It's kind of what Ryan was speaking to, which is using email as a method to talk at people and deliver only sales messages or basically asks where the communication doesn't have a lot of value. It's basically saying, buy this thing, do this thing. And there's really no value to the, to the customer. So what are you seeing at Infusionsoft with the email platform or better yet, what might be some advice or suggestions for people to get out of that cycle? Because in 2019, everybody's saying it's all about the customer experience. Yeah, and I think one thing uh, kind of ties back to some of kind of Bethany's area as well is is being able to provide more than just you know that ask that you're talking about. So it's it's being a thought leader and being able to provide content and and other things that are relevant to uh, people who may not even be interested in buying, but um, you're able to serve some of their other needs as well as you know establish yourself as an as a leader in in your area of expertise as well. So. I think it's kind of um, providing, you know, that that aspect to to everything that uh, that you're you're doing. So you're you're taking it beyond just you know take this action to benefit my business, um, and you know still being being uh, relevant to them um, in providing something that's that's useful. Nicole, I kind of gave you a heads up pre-show about this, but this is a big question that's been on my mind is, uh, you know, I have, I have my book on my desk and in uh, page eight, I talk about the economics of attention currency, which is this concept that each interaction that you have with somebody in terms of delivering something, you know, trying to communicate with them has either a cost or an addition to this balance that you have of attention in the mind of the prospect. And so if you're just asking, 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 what happens is, you know, even from a psychological level, if, if we're not getting value from somebody, we start to delete their communication from our mind. Even if it shows up in front of us, we actually, our mind will ignore it for us because we're like, there's nothing for me in that communication. But do you think that machine learning is impacting the email inbox on those emails that we get and get and get, but we never even engage with to the point where, you know, it our email service provider is going to push those kind of below the fold, so to speak, or kind of, kind of hide them from us if we're not engaging with those emails. Yeah, um, I think you know Gmail is a good example. You know, I think you know Google does uh, you know so much in the background to really be analyzing big data, and I think that's you know that's definitely a concern. Um, you know, we're you may not get that inbox placement that you saw, saw previously. It may not even be going into the promotions tab. It may be going into the spam filter just based on some of the algorithm changes that may be coming, you know, as, uh, as companies like Google try to make sure that they're providing relevant, um, useful uh, tools to all of their users. Definitely a concern. Dan, do you think that machine learning is something that everybody understands? Or is that something that maybe Nicole might explain a little bit further? So people can understand what they, what, how big a deal this is. Yeah. Nicole, do you want to expand on that? Um, I'm, I'm not really an expert on machine <laughs> learning myself, <laughs> um, well, but you know, I think it's, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go. I was going to say this, you know, uh, this might be one thing that you can, you can, 
potentially mention, and I know there's a lot of people that work in your department that specialize in specific areas, especially when the complexities come in from Google, Outlook, and the, the different ESPs and the inboxes and how those algorithms are, are written. But, um, and Ryan, uh, you can weigh in on this too. One of the things that we always suggest, and maybe it's wrong, maybe I'll learn from you all, is when we say to our clients, stop loading your emails with images and your, your logo at the top of your, your email because that's something that Google knows. If you're sending an email to a friend or a family member, you're not loading up your logo and your banner and all these pretty pictures and colors. They wanna see low text. And so is that something okay. that's still a driving force as an indicator? I would like Nicole to weigh in on this too, if, if you have anything to add, but I, here's what, see I started doing a lot of heavy email um, back in 2006 for our company that we had, we were doing uh, two to three events every week and we were you know, trying to get 50 to 100 people in each of those events. At the time, email was like the media that we had to work with. And so, you know, we did a lot of emailing and at that time, the rules were fairly simple. You know, it was looking at it, it, what's the ratio of image to text. That was like a part of their algorithm that was pretty common across the board. You know, what, what words are you using? Are you using any of the keywords that indicate to them that it's spam? So it's kind of these archaic rules that you could use. Now, when you fast forward to today and in 2019, machine learning is, it is growing so fast that I think most people don't comprehend what it, how fast it grows. With machine learning, what they do is they essentially train a computer to recognize patterns in, in action and interaction as well as in content. And so, yeah, there could be some issues with the image and, and the text or even a keyword, but I think that becomes less and less of an issue and more of it has to do with actual the value of the content as perceived by the individual recipient. So I could have in your mailbox, top of the page uh, placement, and then another prospect hit put in spam. Okay. And so it's not gonna be universal across the board, although there could be some aggregate in terms of, oh, okay, well, 99% of the people are not looking at all at this email from all of our recipients. We're just going to go ahead and, and, you know, arbitrarily lower it all the way to the bottom because we just figured nobody would want it. But I think what you're going to see more and more is actually a tailored or a curated email inbox, which means if you have engagement with emails, then it's going to rise to the top. If there is no engagement with that email sender or that email domain, then you're going to see it lower to the bottom. It'll be on a user per by user basis, which means it's really critical that you nail the message and to uh, Nicole's earlier point, that you tailor that message to what they actually care about. Mm -hmm. Because if you try and go generic, it may end up hurting you across the board, not because that person's marking a spam, but across the board, the email service provider, depending on how they approach this machine mm -hmm. learning and this curation of the email inbox. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah totally. to jump in here, I think a little bit, I, I've learned in the last couple quarters and just promoting our webinars to our current customer base and our current trialers, I've switched it up even and gone from like a nice pretty marketing template to something very basic, very just like that I had crafted myself and I've actually changed it from coming from Team Panadoc to having it come from me personally and just kind of kept the message very short, very sweet. And I've, I mean, we've seen our leads grow about 20% from that. So like, it's, it's still kind of taking it back to basics a little bit and, and really kind of saying like, okay, a one-to-one -one personal touch and going back to that personalization conversation we were having earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, I think even just kind of dialing it back and, and, you know, maybe some of the things that you've done in the past have worked, but maybe trying something new like this is, has definitely paid off for PandaDoc. Um, so I think to Ryan and Nicole's point, it's, it's definitely important to, to kind of, you know, take those things into consideration. 
Yeah. You know, I think um, I think one of the important things I definitely want to uh, try to cover today, um, and Bethany, I think you'd be a perfect person to talk about, is really when it gets into the sales experience. Now, I'm not talking about the typical, you know, I'm going to buy a pair of shoes, I'm going to go online, and I'm going to go to Nike.com, buy it, and they're just going to ship it to me. So it's really not the e-commerce. It's more of the the – the, the traditional sales where there's a, a contract or there's some kind of proposal that has to go out and they have to review it. And we all know the, the muddied communication that has to go back and forth in the review and the discussion and negotiation and the sign off and then the, the payment and all that stuff. And you guys, you know, selfishly, I know my agency uses your service and that's why I reached out to you guys because I think you've revolutionized how that process has really is with technology and what you've all done has been able to transform it. So can you talk a little bit about that of, you know, cause typically I think what some people are still doing is, you know, especially in the agency world, you know, you have a great experience of, okay, we're going to work together. And then they get this contract or this proposal and it's very cut and dry. And there's no, like, it's a really, now we got to go to email to discuss the negotiation or get on a phone, but there's no track record and, so without me stealing all your thunder, what are the, some of the things that you think are a driving trend that really kind of go back to what we've been talking about, the backbone of the customer experience? So what do you see in that kind of process that you, got, that you all play so well in? Yeah, I think what we know, right, is that everybody is always doing their own research online. And a lot of times, you know, they're, they've already seen your website. They, they kind of have a general understanding of what you're doing and, and who you are. And I think... Um, there's got to be an easier way for us to kind of just hone in on the fact that like, hey, we know that you have done your research, you kind of known, you kind of know about who we are and what we do, but like, let's tailor your use case more to kind of like, um, how we can provide a better service for you. So I think to your point, Dan, is, you know, you have this call, you really want to showcase what your agency does and in a better light. And sometimes a boring word document doesn't do it. Sometimes a PDF just doesn't do it. There's got to be a better way for you to kind of make that um, one-to-one connection a little bit more personal, um, add a little more flavor, if you will, to a kind of a boring SAG document. And that's what PandaDoc can do. So I know we have a ton of um, agencies and some other media companies that, you know, add photos and videos and really can kind of showcase their work and it, and it can really apply to any industry. So like if you're a construction company and you want to showcase some great new project that you've done, you can't, it's kind of hard to add those images in just a boring PDF and it takes a ton of time. Um, PandaDoc can allow you to drag and drop those kinds of images and, and kind of create that connection. I think another important thing is um, kind of uh, supplying some social proof in the in your messaging as well so sure you can say like hey bob i can help grow your social media by x percent but if you don't have any kind of customer testimonial or kind of case study that you would want to include um in your proposal it can kind of fall flat so um a lot of times there's not a lot of room to add those in pdfs or um in a word document so that's another great use of uh, kind of content that marketing can create um, for a sales team to drag and drop into a proposal. And then I think um, just the other thing to your point, Dan, about um, tracking and um, measurement. So of course you sent this beautiful, nice, pretty proposal, but now how do I even know that my recipient even got it, right? It's kind of goes into this black hole of an email inbox and can kind of get lost in, in the way. 
So um, we're able to tell you when somebody has opened, viewed, and completed your proposal. We can even show you how much time they've spent on a certain page. So if you notice that they're stuck on the pricing table, maybe they have a question about pricing and the pricing options. It's a perfect opportunity for a rep to pick up the phone and say, hey, Bob, I noticed that you um, were spending some time on the pricing. Is there anything else that I can help clarify? You know, I'm happy to provide maybe some different option items that you can kind of fill in for yourself and pick the best bet for your budget. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, I could go on for the next sure. 30 minutes. <laughs> that's how much time we have, but, um, you know, I don't want to steal everybody else's thunder, but I think uh, well, the point is, is just really applying the personalization to your proposal and that end of the sales cycle. You, I think everybody knows how to do that in the beginning of the sales cycle, but it's even still important at the end of the sales cycle too, to continue sure. that conversation. Ryan, what did you have to say? Yeah, to your and Bethany's point, what you're, you're explaining here is also a trend for 2019, which is for businesses to start identifying their technology stack. Yeah. So there, there was this tendency for a period of time to try and do everything all in one. And in fact, I know like softwares like Infusionsoft, that was kind of one of their, their themes for a while. But the reality is, is that each company is a little bit different in terms of their needs and demands. And all-in-ones usually don't do everything great. They do some things really well, and then they, they really suck at other things. And that's just the nature of doing an all-in-one. And so a technology stack is the new reality, and that's something you need to be able to understand that concept and the value of it in 2019. So my technology stack may cost me $1,000 a month, but that is actually going to do the work of maybe three or four employees, but more reliably. And it's going to allow then the rest of my employees to focus more on their humanity and their connection. And so tools like PandaDocs and, you know, Infusionsoft and, and SyncSumo, what they all facilitate is you to build this technology stack, you know, and that's true for, you know, a lot of the automation tools that are out there. What you don't want to look for is one thing that does everything, unless you're, you're a really small business and you're on a, a real low budget. But as you're building a business, what you want to do is start developing your technology stack. You know, and in that stack, you want to make sure you have the tools that are going to facilitate you or your type of business and what you're trying to accomplish. I'd so love I, to add to that. I think that that's a, I think that's a really good point. And I'm going to first make a silly example, but when you use it an example, it kind of makes sense when you transition that thought uh, into technology and the technology stack is, you know, hey, I don't want my landscaper doing oral surgery in my mouth, right? Because the landscaper is really good at what he does and the dentist or the oral surgeon is really good what he does. And so for me to come to one person and expect them to do everything is, is crazy. In the real world, we don't do that. But for some, some way, when we go into the technology world, we expect this one platform to absolutely do everything. And not only that, but do everything at the highest level possible. That's, that's impossible. Not even Amazon, which is a behemoth, can, can so it, get that. That kind of thinking, I think, comes from um, maybe not being overwhelmed. I'm going to put it to that. Because when you're overwhelmed, sometimes you're like, okay, I can't think through what needs to be done. And so you just look for the simple solution. And the simple solution is probably a good first step. You know, so for people that take that first step, I think I applaud them for taking that first step and finding something that they're like, okay, this is going to meet most of my needs. Because that's probably what you need at that stage in your business. But as your business uh, grows and mature and you can create some breathing room, what you'll discover is, okay, yeah, that really does good at X, Y, and Z. But A, B, and C, it's not even in the realm of where I need it to be. So I'm going to need to find something that does A a lot better because that's a core uh, component of my business. And then doing that. So I think, you know, the marketing automation platforms that recognize, okay, they need to start 
thinking about being a CRM and a hub and not an everything because it, they won't be able to do everything as well as, as a technology stack. And what I'm seeing is the companies are really growing in terms of being those, those hubs are those that have recognized that role and they've taken that and they say, okay, that's what I am. The ones that are struggling, the ones that are trying to be everything to everyone because they don't, they do their jack of trade, you know, jack of all trades and a master of none. Yeah. And so they, they end up spreading themselves too thin. They can't focus and harness their power and where, you know, what their superpower is, where they do amazing things. So that's where you want to be able to identify what, what are those superpowers that I need in my stack in order for me to be really successful. And in 2019, I think that's going to be a big deal because again, it goes back to that foundational principle of connection. So yeah. let's, I yeah, just want to make one comment there, building on what Ryan's saying. I think it's, you know, I think business owners and, um, you know, businesses as a whole are hopefully going through that phase that I think a lot of individuals are where you're saying, what are our unique gifts in this marketplace? You know, we've been spinning our wheels for a handful of years now, really trying to grow, but we're not really seeing the movement that we thought we would. And it's, it's likely because they either think they're a commodity or they haven't really um, fully you know, understood their unique value in a marketplace so that they can focus their, you know, attention uh, and intention in their market on that so that all their messaging and how they create a tech stack that supports that unique gift that they are bringing to the, the marketplace um, can shine, you know. I think that's a really good point. And that I think this, this is tying together very well, because if you look at the customer experience and you know what your customer experience is, because you know what your DNA or your core values and your traits are, then you'll be able to develop your technology stack to serve your customer or clients uh, and then effectively move them through every stage. So if we look at, say, for example, PandaDoc, which is towards the end of the sales cycle where you have a contract or proposal and things like that, you identify the stages like did they was the proposal sent? Was it viewed? Did they sign it? Did they make their deposit? And then you use your technology stack to say, okay, at these stages, these are friction points and these are friction points that if they go through the next thing, then ultimately that's going to get to the conversion or the sale. Then you can use your marketing automation system to fire out the right email to the right person based off of the right information and even use a technology stack like a text message if they viewed something, but it's been a while and it's been too long that you think that they should we need to have a conversation again. And that goes all the way back up to the top of the funnel, which is, hey, we're gonna run Facebook ads or we're gonna do um, messenger bots okay. to make sense. So now th this brings up a really important uh, point and I think everybody can weigh in here. There are challenges that come with the shift, right? Yeah. So if you look at most people's um, marketing and you were to go to any of their websites and say, okay, what contact information are they collecting on the lead? 99% of them are going to be name and email. Right. Well, when you do that, you've made your choices about how you're going to communicate with the customer. You don't realize it maybe, but you've made your choices. Now, the beautiful thing is they, the choices have enhanced from where they were maybe four or five years ago. So like using a platform like Justin's SyncSumo, I can take that email address and possibly start targeting them with Facebook ads, which means Facebook ads are not just a way to introduce people to your company, but they're actually a way to communicate beyond, you know, the initial interaction. And so I could possibly do that, but beyond that, all I can do is email. And so now I'm making the close job harder because now I'm going to try and make email do everything and email right. can't do everything. And we, we just acknowledge that in this conversation that it is an important component, but it can't be the way that we communicate. 
And so that's the big challenge is, okay, so now how do I make it so that my prospects can justify giving me more contact information? And that's the real challenge. And that's why um, the real secret then to what we're talking about is you have to become very empathetic as a business owner, empathetic to the experience and the needs of your prospects. What is it that they really want, right? Because, and I say this and people sometimes don't like it, but I'm like, nobody wants what you're selling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they want what they believe it will give to them. Which is also an emotional outcome, right? Because at the yeah. end of the day, no one wants to buy a tube of toothpaste, right? But at the end of the day, they or want software or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. What they really want is they want what they believe that thing will give them. And so Absolutely. you need to be really clear on that because messaging is going to give you power to ask for more contact information. Yeah. Really that's an offer will, will make up for anything that you couldn't have done when you were just asking for name and email alone. And they're so, buying experience, right? They're buying experience. Yeah. They're buying a relationship with you. And a lot of business owners are putting up, have put up blockades, as you said earlier, Ryan, that, that they've got to overcome that, that challenge because it's a different, well, different. I have somebody going through um, a bunch of prospective um, customers' websites and just looking at the websites and collecting some contact information off of them. And the alarming part is how many don't have even a phone number on there. Or any communicate, you know, any kind, you have to dig into the privacy policy to even find their address type of thing. Uh, that may sound invasive to people, but the reality is if you're, if I can't do that, you're transparent. Mm-hmm. But isn't that the, that's like an old trend, the old trend. And tell me if I'm, I'm mistaken here, but I feel like, you know, the years past, that was the thing of you can't get a hold of us. So you're going to have to pay in order to actually talk to a real person. You're going to have to go through a chat experience and let's, let's talk about that, that because we're talking about okay. customization. So what you just talked about there is what's called a filter. So there's two things in marketing and sales, there's filters and accelerators. And so a judicious use of filters and accelerators is critical for a, a company to be able to grow. Cause like you, I only have a certain number of people that work on my team. I don't sure. have an infinite number. And so the hours that they can spend interacting with people are limited so you will use filters and you will use accelerators to move pe- the right people to actually be spending that humanity time we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And so learning the difference between accelerators and filters and when you should apply them, when you shouldn't, like in Bethany's case, where they're focusing on proposals, well, we don't want any filters there because at that point we've spent a ton of money to get them to that point. We want almost all accelerators. And so we want to do everything we can. Um, but on the front side, you know, you may do, maybe you want some filters and those can be put in, but you don't want to filter out the customer, you know, the potential customer. And that's the tricky part. And that, you know, that, well, that's, again, that's where the trend is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think Ryan, to your point, we've done a lot of work internally at Panadoc to kind of prove whether or not we want to roll out 24 seven support to all of our customers. So, you know, when we were start, first started, we had this amazing template library, and that was the way that we captured a lot of leads, right? We said, hey, download this free template, try PandaDoc, you can kind of send it out, customize it, whatever. But what we learned is, is that, you know, a lot of those people were kind of coming off as like, they just needed a template, they checked that box, and then they moved on. So they weren't interested in, in PandaDoc because we had served their point, you right? So their we, need. Yeah, exactly. So like, how do we now figure out new channels to open new opportunities to collect leads that we can actually grow and nurture throughout the entire funnel. And I think, you know, 
kind of talking about your on-off switch is, is we had to do some pricing research and some, some other research into our own personas and really dig into, okay, who is our ideal customer profile that we really want to serve and how do we reach them? And then how do we make sure that they can self-serve themselves if they need to, and that's, they can kind of just download a template and pay for PandaDoc and only need one seat and move on their way. But then how do we capture those bigger fish that we want to send to the sales team and have them kind of talk to them and work and maybe set up a demo and a really personalized demo, maybe even convert a, a document that they're sending out um, frequently into PandaDoc and really show the value of how it can expedite their sales workflow. Um, so yeah, I think, and that's to your point, we've recently introduced 24 seven support and we've opened an office in Manila um, to support that effort. And then we've also gotten a sales phone number again. We didn't have one before and now we've put it back on the, the pricing page in our FAQ section and hopefully it, it starts to pay off for us. So like- I don't, I I don't even think people comprehend how much not having a phone number on your website costs. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Because yeah. Here's, here's who calls. Yeah. The person who wants to buy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the person who doesn't want to buy doesn't call. Right. So the only person you're blocking by not having a phone number on your website for sales, is the person yeah. actually wants to do business with you. Well, it's funny. They may have a concern, our, but yeah, we had our old phone number. I had, I didn't even realize we had, somebody had established a Yelp page for us, which I didn't even know that existed until recently because the old phone number was on there and a woman had called in complaining that she's getting our sales calls on this. I guess Google had reassigned the phone number to her and now it's going to her. So I had to scramble this week to figure out how to change that phone number across all of our, number, our huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was it was a lesson learned for us this week too. So just so, because- so she was getting all your sales calls. She was getting phone calls. Get, I mean, they weren't like well, a lot. But no, see, that's super right. transparent, Bethany. Really I appreciate you sharing that because that, that's a big lesson for people. Yeah. People don't realize the phone is where people go. Like, it's very interesting. Infusionsoft, you know, Clay Mask has a story that he tells about the, the formation of Infusionsoft. And he says, you know, we had their first, we sent an email broadcast, you know, through their software. And then the phone started ringing. And most people, skip, they skip right over that. And they just go, oh, email broadcast. They don't think about the fact that the phone, in other words, sales happen in conversation. Yeah, sales don't happen outside of conversation. Now they may happen with marketing on a web page or in an ad or in a video, but all sales happen in conversation, and so it's critical to understand that. And that's again, that comes back to the 2019 trend that we're talking about, which is um, connecting as a human uh, while using technology to give you leverage and, and mitigate the impact of your human nature, which is to forget avoid contact and do all the stuff that we shouldn't do that destroys the business. So if for the people that are listening and watching to this, uh, that are business owners and they're saying, okay, oh, this, this sounds great, but what's the actionable thing or what's the takeaway for this okay. personalization? Would you say that the value of the customer experience is weighted heavier in 2019 that that will play into say everything from, the pricing of the product to everything else? No question. Yeah, I mean, you can do the race to the bottom if you want, but my experience has been, we each have a limited number of days on the planet. We don't know how many days we have. I could go outside and I could get hit by a car and die right today, or I could live another 40 years. I don't know how many days I have. And because of that, if you're gonna work, you might as well work on something that's gonna do well for you. 
mm-hmm. instead of something that is just a drudgery. So the race to the bottom is always a loser. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. So if that's the case, then what you have to go is you, you maybe want to go more premium. And if you go premium, people pay premium pricing for premium attention, which means you have to create a great experience for that customer. Now, that doesn't mean that you give up your life to do that. There's a lot of ways to accomplish that, but you, you want to give that to them. Well, that means you have to start opening doors that you haven't opened in the past. And so from a technical standpoint, like rubber hits the road, you have to start thinking about how do I open doors to communicate with people in other mediums besides email? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very first step that people can take is answer that question. How can I engage with prospects and leads in a way that opens up more doors than just email. So, and that can be on Facebook, it could be on any of these different platforms, it could be on the phone, you know, and it it may even be an email. A lot of people use email just like you're saying as a speak at. So start looking at your emails and to Bethany's point, maybe make them shorter. Mm -hmm. Maybe make them start a conversation. Well, so I, I really ask a question and get absolutely. And, and what Bethany said earlier, I mean, I think a good place to start, you know, if you've got well-developed campaigns and, and you want more from those email campaigns and before you move on to, you know, putting in, you know, SyncSumo or fix your funnel into the tech stack in 2019, it's like, you know, take that novel you wrote as emails from, you know, 2008 that you're still using and turn it into a video with you. How, you know, fast forward that relationship with the video. People expect it and they don't have the attention and time, even if they want to, you know, even me personally, I mean, I, the, the emails I never read are the ones I want to read because they're, they're usually so long, but I get so many other emails and I have other distractions. So if you can, you know, take those messages and um, make them in video format, be a little vulnerable, be a little more transparent than maybe you have in the past. Uh, and speak with them, as Ryan talked about, through video, you're going to fast forward that relationship and they're going to want to exchange value with you a lot faster than what you've seen before in your business. I agree. Nicole, um, question for you, because all of this is kind of, in my mind, is it's, it's sinking in. I'm thinking, it sounds to me like what, if you're a business owner, what you'd want to do is really look at simplifying how you're doing your marketing obviously having the right message to the right people um, using not just email, but the other thing that we haven't really talked about, but it seems like this makes sense is if we need to make a better customer experience, we need to streamline and hopefully maybe automate some of our internal processes. So are those things that you think that businesses that are winning at this game are doing too? They're, They're streamlining their internal processes to have better experiences. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the areas that people kind of get bogged down in are repetitive tasks that you, know, you have to get done every day, but it's not necessarily helping you move your business forward or, you know, it takes away from the time that you could be spending coming up with strategies and implementing um, new things to help drive your business. So it's really, you know, those repetitive things and disorganization is another big thing. So especially for small businesses as they're getting started, they don't have the technology in place. They might be working off of, you know, post-it notes and spreadsheets and, and have things all over the place. And that really is a killer for productivity and taking away again from that time that you could be using to really, you know, drive your business. So it's, you know, anything that anyone can do to really create those processes to streamline the, the day-to-day tasks and um, help with organization can really pay off in leaps and bounds to get you to a place where you can focus on the bigger picture. 
Couldn't agree more. Ryan, I have a question for you. So a question came in from Stuart. And so Stuart asks, he says, as email becomes more difficult to deliver and get seen and marketers look at other channels, how do you think it will be until SMS is flooded and then it's, it's filtered the same as email is filtered now? Okay. Um, that's a really insightful question because it, the truth is they've already started. So carriers are actually being more aggressive on texting. And so people that thought that they could just come and take their bad habits from email and start doing them in texting are killing their deliverability. And the nice part is um, a phone, your phone number that you're sending from is in isolation. So just because somebody else is doing it, what the carriers are doing, they're getting super aggressive about making sure that what you just said doesn't happen. So right now, if you tried to send out a thousand messages and you've already developed this reputation of just blasting people, not engaging with people, the, the carriers aren't even delivering your message. They're accepting them and then they're throwing them in the garbage. So it's a little more ruthless than e even email because email would throw it in a spam folder with the carriers. They're just going to throw it straight in the garbage. The, the recipient doesn't even know you tried to send them a message. It's not like they can go check spam and find it. So it, you, you do already have a reputation when it comes to your phone number. That's why, you know, you own one of these phone numbers and the carriers are able to see a lot of things, right? So we kind of have like DKIM and this SPF record stuff on the email side. On the phone side, carriers know who owns that phone number in terms of who's taking care of uh, receiving and delivering messages for it. So let's say it's like Twilio or Plivio or one of these other uh, application to person, uh, you know, so softwares or so carriers. Yeah, those platforms. Well, what happens is um, if AT&T gets a message, it can tell that message is from Plivio. Well, now it knows it's from Plivio. Now it can decide it's going to throw it through a filtering process that's more intense than the one that comes from AT&T to Verizon or from Verizon to another. And so that's already happening in messaging. So th this is why it comes down to what we've seen in terms of for texting, what's been the most powerful is just one-to-one -one communication. So I don't really, I mean, you can do broadcasting and our software supports that, but I don't recommend it for, you know, for the most part, what I recommend is more tactical communication with text messaging. So part of an, an existing campaign where, like you said, somebody said, you send out the email and they don't take the action you're hoping to from the email, reference the email from a text message. Right. Well, you can't do that on every email you send, but on really important ones you can. And when Absolutely. you do that, it, it's unbelievable. We get stories all the time in our user group about people talking about how, hey, I didn't get your email. Well, that's because you unsubscribed five years ago or whatever. You know, that was the story that the guy told. He said, well, resubscribe me. I want to get it, you know? And so you know, that's the way that you start using messaging. When you do that, what we've noticed, if you have a high back and forth ratio, meaning you're interacting with people or speaking with people instead of at people, you won't have problems. But if you start trying to do bad email practices in texting, they, they're going to cut you off so fast to make your head spin. Yeah. <laughs> you won't even have any deliverability whatsoever. And so there's different things that need to be done and they're more technical. I don't think we need to get into them here, but you need to know texting will become a bigger deal. But if you try to be a bad actor, it's more ruthless than email ever was or ever will be because the, of the relationship of that carrier. The carrier does not want to lose because people make misassociations. And so the carrier is going to be super aggressive protecting that. And they're also rolling out something called RCS in 2019, which is another reason why and they're going to collect more money from businesses because they're going to want to direct uh, business communication through RCS 
And so there's going to be an additional fee that the carriers charge on that. So that's, that's a quasi prediction for 2019 is that there, it'll, it'll have some benefits, but it'll also have some cost. And so we'll see the cost of text messaging maybe go up a little bit as well. So have better communication, Justin, um, I know you had something to say. Yeah, I just, you know, we're, we're, we're coming up on the hour and I just wanted to make sure that we kind of put, uh, we, we finish with a strong positive, uh, you know, prediction too, because we've talked about a lot of the challenges and I think yeah. it's on the call, uh, you know, and the audience understands what those are and they're feeling them in their business likely. Um, and, and that, you know, I think that the, the positive side of things is that it is going to continue to get easier and easier for small, medium-sized businesses to compete in this uh, worldwide market. So not only worldwide, but also competing in the spaces that big brands have competed uh, at, at for many, many decades. And the small businesses have really not had an opportunity to work in there. I mean, okay. Facebook has definitely fast forwarded that, but I, you know, as you see the TV game changing, right, everybody's moving away from traditional cable and, and all this satellite TV stuff, and it's all moving into digital. And what's that, what that's going to do in those platforms is allow small to medium businesses to now, reach those eyeballs and, you know, see TV as a placement in Facebook and Instagram and, and Google, you know, all these players are going to open up those uh, advertising platforms as they continue to grow their subscriber base and TV and small to medium businesses will have a huge opportunity to, to take that value message that we're talking about. They need to refine at this stage and um, leverage it in the, in the biggest platform, you know, across the world. I think uh, I'm curious from Justin's perspective, what do you see with Facebook? Cause I know you do a ton of spend with Facebook. Um, video views was a really big deal in 2018. What do you see as being the best way to, to market on Facebook? going? Forward? Yeah. And I think it's been about, you know, kind of, that's a great question as we work through this hour here, it's all about video and it's about getting more native, getting more uh, open and more vulnerable and transparent in your business and using, you know, like Bethany talked about, you know, changing it from just your business speaking to them to an individual or a, uh, a person, you know, you've, we've seen this even in the TV space, right? All this reality TV and that's grown huge. And basically we expect everything to kind of be reality TV when we watch it. And that's kind of what's playing out in the Facebook and Instagram uh, feeds. And even now LinkedIn, LinkedIn's done a great job of really fast forwarding and knocking off basically what Facebook's done and their feed looks very similar. And you're seeing a lot of that native video and people that work for the company kind of being, you know, vulnerable and transparent, shooting videos inside the, inside the company fortress, you know, and sharing what goes on inside so that people can, you know, feel confident doing businesses, uh, doing business with those, those folks and really creating that personal relationship that hasn't existed in previous years with businesses. That's a great point. Sorry, Dan, really quick. I think to touch on Justin's point too, going back to that competing thing. I mean, we've, we've recently kind of, looked at the values and the core um, kind of comp of what we want to preach at PandaDoc. And, and that's something that we're really looking to do too, is we want to make it easy for small businesses to compete with those larger organizations, right? And I think that even speaks at the proposal level too, by giving them the ability to like add certain specific elements to really kind of showcase who a company is and what they do and why they're the right fit for a potential prospect, I think is super important. And that's something that, you know, we're going to continue to work into Panadoc and how can we make that easy for small businesses at that level? Um, okay. So I think that's a very good point. Yeah. So we've got um, Justin, really good uh, advice about video going native, being honest, uh, Bethany, transparency, talking to the right audience with the right topic. 
Nicole, um, these are all tips. So as we're kind of getting to the top of the hour, Nicole, what are, what are your, what is your core tip or your tips that you suggest moving forward people should start to focus on? I think we touched a little bit on mobile, but, you know, mobile is just kind of where everything is headed. So being sure that whatever you're doing has that experience um, at the center of it. Um, and then also, I think it's, you know, ch challenging the status quo. I think we kind of touched on this throughout as well, but, you know, just... You, have, you can't assume that just because something has worked in the past, it's going to continue to. So any way that you can try to test and continue to learn and continue to optimize and, and um, utilize all your channels effectively is something that will continue to help you grow your business going forward. Perfect. Ryan, tip or two tips for people 2019? What, they, what should they do? <laughs> I know you have more, yeah. but give me two. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you know, I think the big thing is just get really clear on what your customer needs so that you can get your, your messaging tighter. Because, you know, of, of all the things that they were just talking about, if you utilize a real clear message on top of that, that's going to go a long way. I think another thing is get a, a real tight sales mechanism in place that allows for personal connection. Um, Ollie Bilson has a really interesting one he's done. We talked on uh, Social Media Examiner recently, which is Phone Funnel Framework. And that's an interesting one to listen into and look about. Uh, but, uh, you know, what I've noticed across the board is that if you, if you start thinking about how do I communicate with my customers on a more personal level, you're going to win. It's just there's, there's so many people that don't that if you do and everything else is the same, you win. And so if, if people can figure out how do I start communicating a more personal level with people in an automated fashion, but that still is, allows the one-to-one -one communication, that would be my biggest tip. If you do that in 2019, if you incorporate that in some way, I, I believe 2019 could be your best year ever. We've seen many companies double and triple revenues simply by adding that element into their process. Great, and great. That's a big deal personalization, clarifying the message, simplicity, willingness to test other channels and making sure that you've got the right message at the right time to the right people. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start with you. So if people want to learn more about your business or, or potentially be able to get in touch with either yourself or your team, where would they go online to do that? Um, they could go to fixyourfunnel.com. If they wanted to see how texting works, they could te text demo to 760-621-8199. They'll find that phone number on fixyourfunnel.com too. But then okay. they could experience how, the, how you open that door for messaging, which is really going to be critical. Perfect. Nicole, uh, where can people learn more about Infusionsoft? Infusionsoft.com is a great starting place. We also have some little um, templates within that where you can you know, enter your information and see how you're added as a contact and see the, the interplay um, between you know, the tool and, and the lead. So it's kind of fun to play around in the tool. Cool. And you guys have like a, a new system too, right? So there is the, the classic Infusionsoft and you guys have rolled out with something exciting too for, for people that maybe have checked it out before. Do you want to give like a quick little snippet about that? Sure. It's, it's geared toward people who are really looking to get organized, create a CRM, um, and, you know, remove some of those repetitive tasks. So it has uh, appoint, appointment setup features within it. So you can easily set up appointments without going back and forth. You can even scan a business card and have that added as a contact. Uh, so there are a lot of ways to um, really get someone 
started as they're just building a CRM and, and working through kind of those automations. Awesome. Bethany, for PandaDoc, if, if people want to send out proposals or even client agreements, anything at all, where would they go to be able to, to see PandaDoc and check that out to see if it's a good fit for them? Yeah, so pandadoc.com um, is the best place. We do have a product tour on there, so you guys can kind of take a look at the step-by-step process. Um, we do also offer a free 14-day trial, and you can access that at signup.panadoc.com. Um, and I will plug that we do offer a uh, integration with Infusionsoft through some Panadoc partners. So if anybody has any other questions or wants to reach out to me, I'm, I'm my, you can reach me at bethany at panadoc.com. Um, super simple. I'd be happy to hear from anyone. So thanks. Awesome. And Justin, um, amongst all the many things that you have that you guys do, you guys run Facebook ads, you have an agency. So where might they find out more information from you and your team? Yeah, I mean, the best place to go is syncsumo.com. We connect um, platforms such as Infusionsoft. We just added Kartra as an integration and many others. Um, so you can connect uh, your, your email contacts and your, your most important marketing systems with the Facebook advertising platform. And um, we have a 30-day a, a trial for a dollar. So you can you know, use it and get integrated and see how it works for you and how you can start to put the right messages in front of the right people at the right time all the time automatically. And um, certainly you can check out justinlofton.com to get to some of my other stuff. Um, that would probably be the best way to, to see what I'm all about. Awesome. I'd like to thank you all for being part of the show. We're obviously, uh, we're going to have to ask each of you back to go into a deep dive to the specific things because I know we only scratched the surface of that. But um, anything else, if anyone has any questions that's watching the show or they want to get information from the businesses that have been on it, we'll be happy to send that out as well. And so I hope that each of you has a great 2019 and thank each of you. Thank all of you for being on, uh, on this show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dan. Our pleasure. Thank you. All righty.